This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. It's Mikado and Manning, Media Week's TV podcast. Welcome, Andrew Mikado. Hi, James. Where have you come from today? We're in the same room at the same time, which doesn't happen much. <laughs> I know. I've just uh, flown in from Broken Hill. Broken Hill. Broken Hill for the Broken Hill Festival, which oh, is a celebration of the movie Priscilla, and it was their fifth one, and the headlining act was Carlotta. Wow. And uh, it was a massive event, yeah. massive for the town of Broken Hill. It was a sellout event, and I have the most hilarious story about someone who was in the crowd. Oh, really? Let's save it for the end of the podcast to make people listen, but I'm telling you, <laughs> for me, I, I, sh- I shrink in embarrassment to sit here and to be an expert, supposedly an expert on TV and to be a TV historian and what I didn't said to this person is so humiliating, <laughs> but we'll get there in a minute. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that very much. Well, let's get cracking then. Um, first, we can have a little argy-bargy about Pilot Week. Yep. On yeah, 10. Yeah. Last you, week. You weren't a big fan. No, I thought there was, I was only one of them you really wanted to give any time to. Yeah, part time private eyes yeah. was, was, there was potential there. The best of a poor it bunch. It was the best of a poor you. bunch. I had a real issue with the other three shows, which was I Am Roxy, Sydney's Crazy Rich Asians, and my 80 year old flatmate, because I thought they were all basically the same show. They were all about a bunch of rich narcissists wanting to get their mug on TV. <laughs> and that doesn't necessarily make for good TV. You've got to back that up with something else. Having said that, though, the worst of them was my 80-year-old flatmate. And I think it's only looking so bad because we're comparing it to old people's home for four-year-olds. That mm. ABC production, which has, has been on TV and has been so beautiful and has such a wonderful reason in there to help us in the dealing of old people. There's, there's a message there that we could do this all a lot better. The experiment is a success. And then you go to something which supposedly is along the, the same lines. We know that overseas millennials are moving in with old people and there are villages like that in the Netherlands and you see them on Facebook and it's, and it's a great thing and it's successful. And instead we get this grotesque parody of that with these, I just thought it was horrible, like deliberate mismatches to create, you know, situations on TV because nobody has a personality so they have to deliberately mismatch people. I I was really offended by my 80-year-old flatmate, to tell you the truth. I found it offensive. Yeah. Because it could have done something really good. If they'd done it properly, there was potential to really try and make that something that happens in our world. But they went for the cheap, smutty gags and I just thought it was horrible. So tell us what you really think Uh about it. Come on. But you liked I Am Roxy, didn't you? I I did, and I was surprised how much I actually did like it. Um, I should say I've done a podcast with Roxy, and I found her quite um, very interesting. She was great to talk to. She was very good to me. Um, but that doesn't mean I would have loved the show. But um, I had to chat to Whipper. It was co-produced by Whipper from Fitzy and Whipper. Yep. He started up a little media company. It's their first production. Um with a Melbourne producer who's who's done a lot of good stuff on TV, uh, Debbie Byrne. Yes. Down there. Um, she was working because it was a co-pro between Whipper's new company and Matchbox Pictures. So they had, a you know, a bit of youthful enthusiasm and some, you know, real experience and a bit of youth too down there at Matchbox. Um, but I thought it was just really put well put together. 
the the subject matter was light and fluffy, and there well, wasn't a lot of substance. Well, that's my problem with it. But what are you going to do, episode well, two? No, but but that stuff often works best in these shows. I mean, TV shows, if you like, about nothing. Yeah, you know. I mean, look at the Kardashians. Well, true. I mean, how many years has that been going? How yes, many but how many people spin-offs? are there in the Kardashians? My 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 uh, issue with the concept of I Am Roxy, it's about her and her husband. And that's going to get very, very tired where, you know, she's bossing him around and he's just going, yes, Roxy. I mean, where's the uh, – to me it feels like the show needs more characters. You need to have uh, other characters in that dynamic to create your fake storylines to give you some content for how the show's going to work in the coming weeks. I just don't think her and her husband and their lavish lifestyle is going to be enough to sustain a whole series. The thing I worry about is that she's Sydney pretty much only. I mean, people in other states, there's a bit of, quite a bit of chat on social media. Who is this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that that doesn't help. No. She doesn't really have a national profile. No. But, I mean, it was the highest rating. I think it was easily the best produced. Well, yes, it was you know, well done. I'll give that to together. Whipper. It was, it was well shot. Um, to get Barry Cassidy to the voiceover, oh. I nearly had to pick myself off. I was going, that can't be him, Jed. Sounds like Barry Cassidy. I, Who was the lookalike? And then the name comes up. And, and then I saw his name thought, what? <laughs> Yeah, but I thought that was a bit of a masterstroke, actually, having him. Also, Lee Lee Chin uh, narrating Sydney's Crazy Rich Asians. That was yeah. also amazing, too. Yeah. Both those people were better than the material than they were having to deliver. But so. I, some comments I didn't agree with, people thought that Barry had done a terrible, you know, wrecked his brand and all this sort of stuff. And I'm saying, oh, come on. It's a voiceover. Give it a break. It's a voiceover. I and mean, the guy's retired. Yeah. A bit of cash for a gig or something. Well, why wouldn't you have a bit of fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. It obviously didn't worry him. Um but no, I just thought Roxy was good. Uh, there was some moments that they could have exploited better. Like there's a moment where she's on a public speaking at some venue, room full of people, some bloke out of the audience demanding his money back. They just let it go. They glossed yeah. over it. Yeah. And this was before the, the show had started. So I'd be you'd, you'd get him aside. You'd fit, what, what happened? Why did you want your money back? Now really exploit that moment. Beat it up into something would have looked great. Yeah, but who's having final cut on this uh, this edit? You know, because you know, every here in Sydney, what we read about in Sydney newspapers is that someone keeps throwing paint and writing vile things on her office. You know, mm. if that's in the show and they're actually prepared to go into yeah. those areas, which are being reported in the press anyway, let's see her break down in tears when she arrives at work and goes, "Oh my God, it's happened again." You know, all that tabloid stuff was kind of ignored and kind of passed off to create this new faux version of their lives. But if you live in Sydney and read about the real Roxy, the real Roxy wasn't in that show. No, but yeah, arguably that's right. And there was that a scene where she was almost too harsh on an intern in that staff meeting and that was, again, that was something that could have been played up, maybe a, an interview to camera after that. Look, do you, do you think you might have gone too hard on it? Yeah, you know, do you, yeah. You know, do you, do you worry about things like that? Um, but just looking here, like um, Petra Stark down at the uh, advertiser in Adelaide called it, you know, dreary TV pilot crashes down on the rocks yeah. because she means nothing Correct. in South Australia. They mean, you know? It means nothing outside um, of She does have a few enemies in the media too, like Andrew Hornery is not <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. And he gave it a real good, um, he said he could only bring himself to watch the trailer, yeah. and, you know. <laughs> so there's there's sort of those roadblocks she's going to get it. but. They'll have to commission it, I think. Yeah. Because 
what's the point of having a pilot week? If you don't have one commission out of it. Yeah, and you've Good obviously point, got James. to go with Great the Great point. Yeah. You've got to go with the biggest show. Yeah. You could forget the others perhaps. Yeah. Um, Although part-time private eyes is interesting to me because I actually really admire the way that 10 keep working in the Australian situation comedy arena. Hmm. We know that it's not easy to get an Aussie sitcom off the off the ground here, but they've had some success. Mr. Black, How to Stay Married. You know, the the, the shows they're doing, that, Russell Co- bringing back Russell Coit's Aussie Adventures. When 10 go into this space, I think it's very brave of them, but I think it's also very admirable of them to say, no, no, we we think that there's that we can make a comedy work and we're not going to give up on this. Because I tell you what, Seven and Nine aren't doing sitcoms. It's only the ABC and Channel 10 that try anything new in this area. Yeah. Well, it's not financially successful for No, them, it's really not. But yeah. if you crack the right sitcom. Oh, yeah, you'll get one one day. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. You've got to keep trying. But, I mean, 10 is really rolling at the moment. I mean, especially at 7.30. Yeah. Survivor's been massive. Mm-hmm. The penultimate episode this year, I mean, the day we record this, the finals on tonight. Yep. That'll do huge numbers, I'm yep. guessing. Yeah. Uh, biggest uh, episode ever in, was it five seasons, I think, um, with this penultimate episode. Great casting. Pia Miranda, who would have thought? Yeah. She's just come out of nowhere. Fantastic. You know, and I'm sure her career will be reignited by this. Yeah. The, she's going to get some gigs now, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, undoubtedly. And they won't all be reality shows. No, no, no. They, they, they were seeing a whole new person stuff. here now. Yeah. 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 She's a character with a lot of depth to it, for sure. And then they've got a big run home for the end of the year. They've got the amazing race coming up. Yep. Which I think will do pretty well. It's been put together by Eureka TV. Interestingly enough, where Ricky Proust has just turned up, who did some great things at seven, and boy, don't they miss him now with sort of the hole they've got in their schedule at seven thirty every yeah. night. Yeah, an ideas guy and a guy who can hands on make the shows, you know. So I think Eureka will do very well with him. So and they'll do. I'm sure they'll do a good job of Amazing Race and The Masked Singer starting next week. It's already had massive publicity, massive coverage. And here in TV Week, the pull-out poster for you to <laughs> identify them, and I think there was a bit of a slip-up on Studio 10 yesterday. Sarah Harris made a comment that maybe suggested Angela Bishop was one of the people behind the masks. I'm loving all the guessing games mm-hmm. going on about who they are. My funniest was uh, that Ten had sent out a tweet with one of the promos, and I think it's the unicorn, and the, the, the tagline was... Uh, I've, I've, I've never been the queen. I'm related something to do with a queen. I've only ever been a princess. And Cameron Adams, who writes for the Herald Sun, <laughs> tweeted, "Marsha Hines, Queen of Pop. Danny Hines, her daughter." Next, <laughs> it was because ju- I reckon I reckon he's nailed it. Mm. You know, because those clues. You know, it's this is like the clues they drop for I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Some of the clues are quite exaggerated and heightened, so that. You know, when they say an international sitcom star and then you discover it's Tom Arnold, you go, who would have guessed that? Um, but, yeah, look, it, this is all really good buzz for the show. And mm. my, my prediction is that this is going to – I believe that this has the potential to be huge. However, when I look at the programming for it now, I get a little bit concerned about how big it can actually be. What have they done? Well, it's just up against so many heavy hitters already, James. On Monday night, it begins Monday, September the 3rd at 7.30pm. So it's up against the block on nine. It's up against the Brownlow medal in your AFL football states. It's up against part two of Australian story about Paul Hogan. That's a pretty... 
tough time. And then the next night on Tuesday night, I think oh, it's just Tuesday night. Well, Tuesday night then it's up against uh, the block again. It's up against the block actually, and then we don't have to worry about Tuesday. It's got it might pick up some more viewers on. Yeah, but you know, I just if there if there weren't those heavy hitters against it. You know, this could have been a really huge number for 10 because I think it's, as I said to you before, once before here, I think the concept's mental enough that people are looking at it going, that looks ridiculous, but they won't be able to resist seeing how crazy it is. Dave Hughes has been out promoting the series and he was on Eddie Maguire's Triple M in Melbourne. And the first thing he said was there, we're launching on Brownlow night, and he yeah. sort of apologised. Yeah. And he had to say, look, despite that. Yeah. But the good thing is not a lot. I mean, the Brownlow's about three hours. Yeah. Three and a half yeah. hours. Nothing much happens in the first hour. No. So you could get some curiosity. Well, they've got the red carpet. To check it Hello, out. Hello, the first hour is the red carpet, and you say all the female viewers, I that's suppose, all they yeah. want to watch. Hello, yeah, okay. You know, the, the, the medal count, according to this guy, and I bought this, I've got a South Australian edition of TV Week because okay. where I was at Broken Hill this morning, I've got the Brownlow medal count starting at 7.55pm and the red carpet running from, so there's the first hour of The Masked Singer, mm. everyone wanting to watch the wags. But Not yeah, ideal. I'd, I'd love to think that The Masked Singer will be big for 10 because, Christ, they need a hit. yeah. I'm a bit worried it's going to be a bit drawn out and there's only 12 and I think there's two an episode. Yep. And I'm sure the performance will last about two minutes or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's padding. So there's a lot of chat. But you know what, James, this is interesting. It's only an hour every night. We're not oh. talking about a supersized 90-minute episode. Well, let's hope not. Yeah. One hour Monday night, one hour Tuesday night, and then Tuesday night it leads straight into BH90210, the return of the original cast of Beverly Hills 90210. Now, surely back in the day, James, when you edited Smash Hits magazine, you got a bit of mileage out of the 90210 gang? Yeah, it was almost, uh, we weren't a music magazine for, <laughs> for a couple of years because yeah. it was all about Luke Perry. Jason Priestley. Yep. When we got Desperate Brian, what's his name? Brian. <laughs> da- David Austin Green. Yeah, David Austin yeah. Green played Brian, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we're really desperate, Ian Zero. <laughs> well, do you know what's really interesting about this is that, you know, 90210 came back as a new series with a next generation and the actor, some of the actors came back and returned to it. This is not the original show. This is a send-up heightened reality show like Matt LeBlanc in Extras and Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Someone put that in the paper this morning. I thought, what a brilliant way to describe it. So it's the characters playing themselves, Tori Spelling, Jenny Garth, and they gather okay. for a fan convention and they're bitching about Shannon Doherty going, oh, yeah, no, she's oh, she's too good for us. She She's off meditating somewhere on a mountain. All those tabloid rumours about the cast feuds and who was having an affair with who, all of that stuff is in this show. Awesome. They're all rooting each other <laughs> and 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 it's uh, so incredibly bizarre to be seeing something and, and going, oh, yeah, I remember people used to say that at the time and here they are sending it up. It's very, very interesting and it's a short run thing. I think it's only about six or eight episodes. So we don't have all those sort of lame storylines that we've got. No lame storylines of them coming back. Where have you been the last 20 years or something? They're jobbing actors who uh, have gathered for a, a convention and then decide, well, actually... 
we've not, we're, none of us have got anything better on. Why don't we try and reboot the show? So it's in that way it's a send-up of all the shows that have been rebooted lately. So I think you're going to really enjoy it. Well, that's good. That's good. I think is it on um, All Access initially? No, I haven't heard that. Next week? I haven't heard that, okay. no. But it's definitely on starting uh, Tuesdays, isn't it, from September 24th. And it's going to have a bit of a challenging time slot too because it's up against Sea Change. It's up against a Patrick Swayze documentary on Seven because they're going crazy dirty dancing fever next week, week getting ready for the real dirty dancing. And it's also up against the last episode of Old People's Home for Four-Year-Olds. Okay. But by yeah. the way, James, can I just say one th- quick yes. thing about Sea Change? Yes. I've been watching every episode. I've really, really lost it with them. <laughs> it jumped the shark for me last week when Bob Jelly, played by John Howard, uh, got a whiteboard in his caravan unit, wrote up a plan how to break in the police station so anyone could walk into the there and see his plan. He then used his body weight to smash the door of the police station open because, you know, we all just bash against it. Door flies open. He used a paper clip to break into the police safe and steal back his $100,000 in cash. Give me a break, James. <laughs> this is not a cartoon. It's sea change. I just have been really biting my tongue about it and going, please get better. Please please stop being so over the top. And then they did that scene and I just went, I'm out. Mm. Bye, sea change. Well, it's not getting much buzz, is it? I mean, the audiences have been hanging around 500s, I think, but... It's hard to see it being recommissioned, perhaps. It's lost that lovely pacing it used to have with the first series. When it was on the ABC, there was a pace to it. Now, I know the pace has to change with commercials, but everything is at 11. Mm-hmm. I keep going, bring it down. It's people overacting in it. Bob Jelly's now larger than life. He's a cartoon character. He wasn't like that in the original. He was a, a dodgy council guy with a dodgy scheme in the sun, but he was still believable. And I just find this, I just find everything is, it's been ramped up to get eyeballs and it's too much. Almost as if they've said, look, you know, 20 years ago won't work now, but that's not necessarily true, is it? I mean, the appeal back then was a nice little gentle. I think they've captured the feel of the coastal seaside community, but there's just weird. The new location at Brunswick Heads is beautiful and looks looks beautiful on film. Mm. So why is everyone acting over the top all the time if they had just brought it down a few notches? Mm. Yeah, Beverly Hills uh, 90210, six episodes. Yep. The Reunion, The Pitch, which I'm guessing is a pitch. For their their rebooted version of the show. The photo shoot, which sounds really fun. The Table Read. Yep. Pictures Up. Not sure what that'll be about. And then the long wait. Fantastic. So, yeah, no, it sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching more. I've seen the first episode. Uh, I'll, I'll watch a few more before I write a review for Media Week this Friday. Sure. Then The Masked Singer, yeah, so we think that'll we th- think that'll probably do well. Yeah, I think it's going to. Andrew, um, oh, I keep calling him Andrew, Osher Gunsberg as the host, taking him back a little bit to his roots. Um, yeah. He spent a long time as Australian Idol yep. um, host. And remember that very end of Australian Idol where he'd come out with a card and you'd be like, come on, just say it. And (laughs) you'd be waiting, you'd be waiting just for that long pause. I I think we might see some more of them. Yeah. Because, you know, they'll be teasing the audience. Okay, we'll be telling you who it is and then something will happen then. You'll have a card or something and there'll be a bit more waiting. And and that's always where where his roots were from Channel V days. Yeah. 
So yeah, Channel V. Was he? Were you still there when he started? Yeah, absolutely. At v? We all pretty much started on air the same time. Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Okay. In fact, there's a, there was an NW photo shoot of Paula McGrath. Andrew G, as he was known then. I get confused because he's changed his name a few times. I think he was Andrew G, then he became Andrew Gunsberg. Right. Um, and from there, he and James Matheson went off to host Australian Idol. Uh, so, yeah, that was literally 20 years ago mm. that he started on Channel E. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, we, we think that'll do well. Uh, things that'll be up against the Hamish and Andy will be back with their um, – is it Perfect Holiday? Is it a new – they've got a new show, haven't they? Yeah. Yep. I think it's Perfect Holiday or not – whatever it is, some holiday. Yep. It's them on the road. I think they're in the USA and maybe in Canada. Yep. I think that'll do well for nine because it's been a while since we've had them together on air and people obviously still very invested in what um, Hamish Blake's doing after oh, the success I, of I have no doubt. It'll work, yeah. Um, so that'll be up against it. Um, seven haven't got a lot of real stuff, but – you're interested in one of them, The Real Dirty Dancing. I'm kind of interested because uh, there's a fantastic interview with Anne Edmonds with Cameron Adams in The Herald Sun about why she's doing the show because she's that comedian. You see her on Have You Been Paying Attention and she was on Get Crackin' and it covers all of that, her, her entire career, and she talks about why she's doing a reality show like this. Um, and, yeah, you're right. I started watching I Am Patrick Swayze, the documentary last night, and just went, yeah, wow, you kind of forget, you know, Patrick Swayze was such a good guy. And then then you start watching the documentary and look at him for, and you go, yeah, actually, he was one of the really good ones, wasn't he? What a delightful man. So, yeah, they'll be playing the movie Dirty Dancing and all that, getting ready for this. Um, um, look, if The Masked Singer takes off, are, are people going to stop watching The Masked Singer to, to watch The Real Dirty Dancing? Probably not. Again, the timing could be really bad here, but we'll have to see how what happens. Again, I think The Real Dirty Dancing made by Eureka again, which yep. is what we were just talking about. It looks more interesting than I didn't know much about. I thought they might have just been recreating some dance steps when I first saw about it, but they've gone over there, bringing yep. celebrities over to the US. That, yes. Even though it's a mythical... Um, to the location where they yeah. filmed the original movie? Yeah, yeah. And I must say, back in the day too, we used to exploit dirty dancing <laughs> quite a bit in the um, the pop magazines I was associated with. Well, TV he station... massive. Massive. Jennifer Grey. Yeah, and then he followed it up with Ghost, which just yeah. made him an even bigger star. But you know what? Television has been exploiting Dirty Dancing for you. You can guarantee that if you put Dirty Dancing on TV on a Friday night, it's going to rate. Hmm. It's that easy. It's been it's be, it's become a real TV staple. It well, I think it was maybe the highest selling DVD of the eighties or the nineties. It shifted a huge oh, yeah. number of uh, units. Yeah, it was it's it, it was massive. It was bigger. After the general release of the movie, it was as the years went by that the cult of Dirty Dancing just really kept it going forever. Mm. Yeah, no, it was. It was very, um, very big. Well, Foxtel announced some changes last week, some new channels. Uh, you're suggesting it might be the same old stuff but rebranded? Well, you're you know, partly right. It's, uh, it looked to me like they were changing channel names mm. and getting rid of things like Triple One Hits and everything's being branded Fox now, right? Yeah. Fox this, Fox that. And look, for, you're right. When, I, when you, I looked at the shows, this Fox channel will have this show and then this Fox channel will have that show and it's like, 
Well, Foxtel already has all those shows. All they're doing, and it's all they've been doing for a long time, is they've got a parcel of shows and they move them around from time to time onto different channels. And that's all fine, but if you're a long-time viewer of the show, there's nothing new to watch. You're just getting rebranded channels. So so what have we got? We've got Fox One, yeah. which will be a new channel. It's going to be, I was told that if you know much about Sky, think of Sky Atlantic. Oh, yeah. Which is um, a lot of the sort of premium drama yep. ends up there. Yep. I think it's mostly US produced drama, so that'll go there. Fox Crime. Right. Which will be crime drama franchises like um, I think CSI, NCIS. Well, Law and Order, there's, you know, you got- Yeah, I don't think Law and Order is part of it. NCIS, um, CSI. It's not crime and- uh, what's that? What's Criminal Minds? Criminal Minds, right? Is the one, yeah. yeah. So those those three alone are probably yeah. enough to nearly. Well, yeah, you can run a channel for a year on the, that. The rebranded ones are Fox Funny and Fox Hits. Yeah, which are basically, I think, both sitcom channels. Yeah. So just what's the difference? People Fox Funny, know. Fox Hits. Come give me a give me a break. <laughs> They're both channels screening repeats repeats of old sitcom. It's it's not it's not a subscription driver. You'll be pleased to know there's more Fox rebranding to come. Okay, so there's going to be some more perhaps later this year. I presuming it's Foxtel wanting to strengthen the relationship with Fox, make them really the home of Fox. Um, a brand now owned by Disney. Yeah, when they bought the um, studios. And totally off topic, but this is this is very interesting and something that we should watch now that Disney owned the rights to the 20th Century Fox Library, which is some amazing classic films in there. Did you know, James, that they're only going to allow one Fox film to be screened? And that is the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is great for fans of Rocky Horror because they still what do you have. Mean, been, allow one. They're not. They're not Who? going to. Uh, Disney have said they're not going to allow any other Fox films to be screened Screen as classic where? titles in cinemas. If you want to have a Rogers and Hammerstein weekend and screen South Pacific, not available. So what happens to them all? Well, they're just saying for now, all right. only Rocky Horror Picture Show. But is that a, a commercial move? You know, when they rested a prop a very popular Disney property. Disney did do that all They'll the time. They'll put it on they? the shelf. Yes. And then there's a big song and dance when it comes back. That might Will be what's going it? on. Well, then they have a big push for the Fox catalogue. I would just like to hope that it's not Disney trying to kind of obliterate all that old Fox product. You wouldn't Surely buy not. No, well, they've just, they've only got commercial interests. Surely, yeah. you know, it's. It's about, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Show me the money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good point. You, they could be shelving things for deliberately. Yeah, I think that. Um, the pool on the ABC, I don't know much about this. So this is a two-part documentary. It starts uh, on Sunday. Obviously, you can watch it on iView, narrated by Richard Roxburgh. It's about Australia's relationship with the pool from Indigenous waterholes to the ocean swimming holes built by convicts to the expl- the Olympic swimming pools that were built in every country town after the Melbourne Olympics in 1956, then to the backyard swimming pool, which, you know, started taking off, you know, around the 70s or 80s. And it's just, there's just, it's, there's so much in the story. And the first episode ends with, you know, what happens to a community when the council decides, like they've done at Parramatta, oh, let's build a new stadium and shut the pool down. And you have people that have been going to this pool their whole lives, kids, grandparents, and suddenly there's nowhere for them to swim. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, Tim Ross makes this, Rosso's on there and he says this, it makes this incredible thing and he says, you know, the problem is that if we don't 
look back at our past, we don't we won't know how to move forward in the future. And by that he's saying, you know, that this the the pool is presented in this documentary as being a place where everyone could go to and whether you were rich or poor or black and white, you 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 were all one at the pool. But episode two really goes into that a lot more deeply and we go into that issue where, you know, Aboriginal people weren't allowed to uh, swim in the local town swimming pools and the fight with the water polo guys at the 1956 Olympics. So part two looks even more fascinating than part one. But honestly, James, I was mesmerised by this show. You wouldn't think a show about pools could be so interesting. I couldn't move. I didn't pick up my phone to look at what was on Facebook once during it. I was absolutely riveted by it. Well, you're off Facebook. It must be good. (laughs) Hey, listen, I saw the promo for this last night. Just the promo started a discussion at our place about thinking back to our days in the pool. And I love those shots of how crowded it was. Yeah. And I remember in country Victoria, on a stinking hot day, you'd go down there, you couldn't dive in. It's just full of people. (laughs) You'd have to jump in and find your own space. (laughs) But it was a great memory. Yeah. It's very good, yeah. So I I think that'll do well. That'll do well. Now, I've got to congratulate you for your appearance on Australian Story. Thank you. Produced by Greg Hassel. Yep. Used to be editor of The Guide. Correct. In the Sydney Morning Herald. He's been working at the ABC for a while now. And gee, what a good job they've done. I've seen only seen part one. Are you in part two as well? Do you I get- presume so because okay. it's a two-part story, Paul Hogan talking about his personal life, um, which he really hasn't done a lot when you think about it, right. you know, and, you know, part two is going to get into the breakdown of his marriage. We saw a bit of preview of it at the end of part one. You know, I was just so honoured to be asked to be a part of it because Paul Hogan was such a a mammoth figure in my entire life, James. It wasn't just that I was a kid in the 70s and we went to school every day and recreated the Paul Hogan skits (laughs) and did his catchphrases. It wasn't just that when I started smoking cigarettes, we were smoking red Winfields and there were actually cigarette lighters that had anyhow on them with the dot, dot, dot. I had an anyhow cigarette lighter because we thought Paul Hogan was just so cool. But the... Paul Hogan's tourism ads throw a shrimp on the barbie. I worked in tourism for 13 years and I went and lived in North America for five years off the back of that campaign. You cannot underestimate how huge that campaign was. It taught Americans in particular, but everyone all around the world, it for the first time really said to them, this is Australia. This is a friendly country. This is a beautiful country. Come visit us. And it was the style of it, which I think we'll go into a lot more detail in part two. And this is where John Cornell, who played Strop, was so very, very smart. Paul Hogan, they didn't take a single cent for that. He didn't, wasn't paid a fee to do it. He did it as a favour to us here in Australia. And yes, it was a perfect entree and introduction to him as Crocodile Dundee, but he still did all those ads for free. But as you'll see in Australian Story, John Cornell's brilliance was, we'll do them for free, but you've got to spend the money on production values and you've got to make this the best looking ad that you can. And it worked. And I'm telling you, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have come to this country off the back of Shrimp on the Barbie and Crocodile Dundee. Paul Hogan has done so much for this country's tourism. When the ATO says, oh, he's hidden some money in a bank, we're going to go after him. I want to punch them in the face. It's like, leave him alone. He has done so much for this country. Don't ever say a bad word about Hogs in front of me. Oh, I won't do that. Three things I want to raise. 
a current affair. Those clips last night, it's still going, that show. It's yeah. still on air every I know. day. Isn't and that amazing? It, yeah, incredible. Huh? It's amazing. It's a bit different now, but it's still, you know, wow, the longevity. So well done to all the team still do some good work there. Um, what Hogue said about Winfield, he said he regretted yeah. ever doing those that campaign. That was interesting. Well, there it is. I told you, kids were smoking because of it. Yeah. We thought it was yeah. cool. Mm. And thirdly, Nolene. Yeah. She's still alive, I think. Is no? she? I don't know. I'm looking it up as we speak. Yeah. I can't find anything about her. Um, I thought number three was going to be Delvine Delaney and how passing. good she looked. Well, yeah, well, you were sort of, that was oh. the highlight of your piece in Media Week about it. She, I mean. She looked fantastic. I mean, I've always loved her and she's always been a goddess, um, but I loved it that she was so open and she was laughing and giggling and you don't kind of see that giggly side of Delvine. I suppose we did when she was on Sale of Century, but it's been a long time since we've seen her on TV and I grew up in Brisbane where she was the weather girl there so I followed her career from a very early age as I did with Kerry Ann, the two Brisbane girls who went on to success and it was just so great to see her and it's going to be so great to see both of them in that Mojo documentary that's coming soon on the ABC on October 1. What's it called? Russell Howcroft? How do you... It's a, it's a but it's going to be a, a a documentary about the history of it won't be in there it's from Mojo it's Mojo Mojo is it only a one part no it's it? a two parter but it doesn't start till October the first uh, but Delvin will be part Mojo. of that and so will Paul because how Australia got its Mojo how Australia got its Mojo with Russell Howcroft yes. thank you very much yeah yep. no that looks great that looks great too um, but anyway Nolene I would have. She's still rather bitter, one would imagine. One she, would imagine. She never. She took out very badly, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. And, she, and you know, that was the moment too that um, a lot of people turned on Paul Hogan. Yeah. Up until then, you know, Paul Hogan could do no wrong. But, you know, when you leave your wife for a younger co-star, that is just such a bad look. Mm. And, you know, th- th- there are women in this country that will probably never forgive him. And is he going to die alone now because of that? I mean, Linda's yeah. gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolute, but then it's interesting. We, we saw with Bob Hawke's funeral because there's another person that did the same thing. Left his saint of a wife, Hazel Hawke, to be with Blanche. But, of course, at Bob Hawke's funeral there was Blanche and there were the adult children sitting there and you kind of go, well... <laughs> He was happy and so there's kind of a a small bit of forgiveness there. But at the time, it's very hard for that wronged wife and I think a lot of Australian women look at that and just go, nah, that's kind of, we don't like that. MTV. Yeah. Is it going to Channel 10? Well. Was this the scoop that wasn't a scoop or was it a really good spoiler? Well, MTV have denied it. Uh, a friend of mine who runs MTV, his comment to me was, well, I don't know anything about it and I'm the boss. So, you know. have refused to comment. Yeah. They're not saying yes. No, they're just saying, look, we've got nothing to say about that. Foxtel put out a press release today saying MTV will continue to be a channel screening exclusively on Foxtel and Fetch. Yeah, well, the, um, the exact statement from... From um, Viacom, yep, said something like it's it's not happening. It said the and the only little rider at the end was for the time or for the 
can't remember the exact wording, but it was like, it's not happening now. But you think if it was going to be happening soon, they well, wouldn't have denied One assumes it. that people just aren't making up things. Well, you wouldn't. Oh, no. When so I saw that, I thought some, there's got to be something. There's something there to have jumped to that conclusion, but it's possibly the wrong conclusion. It could be mm. that there could be a, a channel with MTV branded shows because they're not just a pop music channel. MTV in America went from showing clips to doing like Jersey Shore and Teen Mom and all that. Yes. It could be... A, it, and that would then be more a, a reality channel. That makes sense. With, yeah. With shows from all the, yeah. all the associated CBS yeah. and Viacom properties. Here's the statement from Viacom. MTV is a, a, let's try that again. MTV Australia is available exclusively on subscription television platforms, yep. Foxtel and Fetch. There are no plans to launch a free-to-air MTV branded channel in Australia at this time. So even if there's one soon, they wouldn't have said this, would they? They so, wouldn't have. So it's not happening. Why is everyone in such a hurry to jump to conclusions to go, look at me, I've got an exclusive. Oh, yeah, everybody dies for a scoop. Everyone's wanting this this giant scoop and, and you know, it's just, so just well, you know, there's probably something in it, but I think the conclusion it is... It sounds right, like uh, you're saying, perhaps yeah. some, some programming being contributed. Yeah, MTV to. is not going to free-to-wear in, in its current form. It'll stay on Foxtel. What's a very Brady renovation? A very Brady renovation is the cast of the Brady Bunch who uh, the original house in LA was bought and... Uh, HGTV bought the house and decided to turn it into a renovation show and they got all six of the Brady kids back. And it's the first time they've been back together since the Brady Brides because every Brady reunion after that, one of the actors didn't participate. So the six actors have come back and they get in there and renovate the house. Now, Jane Kennedy on Triple M on Martin Malloy, obsessed with the show. It began in America. Kennedy Malloy. She uh, said, uh, why isn't this show screening in Australia? She's running a bit of a campaign. She also hinted that someone had said, look, We'll give you some news soon and you can be the first to announce it. So there you go. She can have an exclusive because the information will be factual. Correct. Um, so uh, I th- uh, she's absolutely right. This is, And everyone was like going, yeah, why isn't it on Lifestyle? Why isn't it on Nine Life? I actually think the show actually transcends just the renovation genre. It's the Brady freaking bunch. You know, you know, there are Brady fans out there that will watch anything that they're in and I think that this, you know... When Saturday Night Rove got dumped, they should have put a very Brady renovation on a Saturday night. Well, it's got Channel 10 written all over After it, the it? living room. The living room at 7.30, the, the Brady's at 8.30. You know, come on. This is a, seems like a no-brainer to me. And it, people have not, We've all known it's been there for months. Entertainment Tonight has been teasing this, I reckon, for the last four months. There hasn't been a week gone past where Entertainment Tonight hasn't had one of those Brady's on going, look, look, chat, chat, so Super excitement. Where's everyone in Australia asleep at the wheel? Come on, get with the program. This is a hit. I've got to hear about this Broken Hill story. I can't wait anymore. <laughs> but for you mentioned E, it reminds me of Bill and Juliana, a reality show about a couple. Yeah, right. Virtually no one else in it. Sometimes they're family. Yes, but they're also but, on red carpet <laughs> celebrities. She's mixing with the hoi polloi of Hollywood, isn't she? Yeah, but who's Roxy Jacenko mixing well, with? Oh, the hoi polloi of <laughs> Sydney wannabes. 
Yeah, yeah, all right. Let's yeah, you're on. right. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. It's time for this story. Come on. Right. So, so the, you're at Broken Hill. I'm at Broken Hill. Uh, the weather was amazing. Film festival. Yeah, it's, it's outside. They did, they did a screening of the movie one night. Carlotta did her show, drag queens, straight men in dresses, the locals, everyone having the best, friendliest time. And, you know, drag is also extra popular now because of RuPaul. Women love it. Women love getting dressed up in drag as well. And it's fun and hilarious. So it's this, this, there were 1800 people at this giant outdoor party. And, uh, this couple, this, this group of people walk past me and then two people come back and it's a woman and a man and they say, oh, we've just realised who you are. We're friends of Jane Gazzo's. And I go, oh, okay, you know, yep. Jane Gazzo from Triple M. And they're going, Jane, this, and have you heard what Jane's up to? Jane, Jane, Jane. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I haven't seen Jane since she moved to Melbourne and I don't really know what she's up to. So they're telling me what she's up to. And and I say, and I go, oh, so do you come from Broken Hill? And the woman shrieks laughter and says, God, no, I'm from Melbourne. I go, oh, okay. And I ask her, what's her name? She tells me her name. We're talking and I'm looking at her thinking, oh, she's a bit familiar now. She works with Jane Gazzo. Does she work for Fox FM, Triple M, Osterio? Uh, she's talking and then I can't remember her name. And I say, what's your name? She tells me her name again. Uh, so then I go, oh, yeah, does, does she have a publicity company? I do know those eyes because she had a wig on, but a wig the same colour of her hair but just longer. Um, so chat, 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 and Jane Gazzo again, I'm in conversation and all this. And, and, oh, you must know Cameron Adams too. Oh, yeah, I talked to him on Twitter and all that stuff. And so then they walk away and I turn to my friends and my friends go, why were you just talking to Shana Blaze from the block? Oh, no. It was Shana. No. I said to her twice, what's your name? She said, Shana. She even gave me a clue, James. Oh. She even said, uh, I said, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I was telling her what I was up to. And um, she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, Foxtel. I work at, I've worked at Foxtel. And I go, oh, yeah, who did you work with at Foxtel? <laughs> she, she dropped a name. I still didn't get it. Those lifestyle shows she did. When I said, I went, oh, my God, you're right. It's Shane Blaze. How could I not have picked that? Well, it's only the biggest show in Australia. It's only the biggest show in right. Australia. For the last decade she's been on. So, it. yeah, I didn't chase her down in the crowd and have one of those excruciating conversations where I had to say to her, I'm sorry I didn't know who you were because it was a fun event and she let me go with it yeah, yeah. and let me be ditzy and was and was classy about it and all that. But if Shane is listening, I apologize. Apologise. It's it's it, but it is very disconcerting when you're at a drag festival and people are wearing wigs, and it's just very hard to go back to your roots and remember. You know, well, she certainly a, didn't look like she was about to hit the camera with Scott Cam. It's amazing that she was there, though. It's great. Well, people had come in from all over Australia. People because Broken Hill, you can travel from Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney. Mm. People had flown in from the UK and New Zealand. I think this could be one of the premier events because there's an element to this, and that is the outback. And Silverton, which is just about a half-hour drive out of Broken Hill, is where they filmed Mad Max 2. There's a Mad Max museum out there with all the cars from the film. And you go out there on the Sunday and the Silverton pub, all the drag queens are performing. <laughs> the straight blokes are walking around in their desert boots with dresses going, oh, I like a skirt. It's nice and cool, isn't it, mate? And people in drag are running through the outback posing for photos. I mean, for international visitors, this gives them an Australian experience that is, you know, just 
unbelievably Aussie. So, yeah, it was a really great professional run event. Major sponsorship, AGL and Amy. You know that Amy ad on TV with the two drag queens? They're the hosts of Broken Heel. They're there in those pink wigs from the ad. Up on stage, so uh, Good on it's Not a really him. great event. Well done, Broken he- Hills, and well done, Broken Heel Festival. Yeah. And listen, the early bird tickets have gone on sale next year. I guarantee it's something to go to. Oh, already? Wow. Good stuff. And that's a nice little segue there because I actually did a podcast this week with Shana's colleague from the block, Neil Whittaker. Right. So there you go. All right. Well, that's a great way to end it, Andrew. Thank you for that. Thanks, James. Hilarious. See you at Broken Hill. You bet. In 12 months' time. Um, Otherwise, we'll keep reading what you've got to say in Media Week on Fridays, mediaweek.com.au, and uh, we'll look out for you on part two of the Paul Hogan. um, Thank you. Australian Story episode. See you next time. You bet.